my experience actually is that people who have bigger chunks of money to invest actually really respect the simplicity of the offers that you create because it makes you look confident. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for coaches, course creators, and experts who want to grow their influence, income, and impact to take their coaching business to a million dollars and beyond. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life inside and out create the influence income and impact you need to build your business so you can create your ideal lifestyle it's time to make a difference and scale up this is the influence by design podcast Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I am your host Samantha Riley and I'm very excited today we've got a guest chatting about wealth, about high ticket offers, all sorts of things around money mindset and confidence with your pricing and I'm really looking forward to it. So today Meryl Kriegsman is going to be joining us. She is the founder of Meryl Kriegsman Media, which is a global business development company dedicated to helping you become the wealthiest woman in your lineage. How? By showing you how to sell whatever you want, whenever you want, and whatever price point you desire. So it's going to be a fantastic episode. So stay tuned. There's going to be gold happening. And welcome to the show, Meryl. Yeah, I'm so excited for this. I don't know if this is video or just audio, but we're dressed basically like twins, which is like really interesting. I know. How cool is that? <laughs> we were both like, oh, we've got the same tops. We're both wearing lovely earrings. I love it. <laughs> so before we dive into the topic and really get into the juiciness that I know is going to develop, just going off the conversation that we've just had before I hit record, why don't you share a little bit about who you are and the kinds of clients that you serve? Oh, for sure. So my name is Meryl. I am a business mentor, as you already said, but I'm also a mom of three very little children. I'm actually still nursing my little one. I live in a place that not a lot of people associate with sort of being a multimillionaire person. I live on the Canadian prairies. We have a acreage there where we want to grow food for many, many people in our community. That's actually one of our goals. So we are laying the foundations for that. Actually, my husband drove to our post office because we don't even have a post, like we have a post box at a post office. Like that's how country we are to pick up the cover for, you know, to grow things under for next season, right? So I'm sort of really, really rooted in the earth with my roots, with my, you know, bare toes, uh huh. Uh huh. When it's not freezing here, because it's practically, you know, seven months of winter and snow where I currently live. I am originally from Holland, was born and raised there. I have a background as a opera singer. So I have lots of oh, wow. very interesting stories of like backstage and what really, really happens. So, yeah. So I've, I've sort of traveled, you know, long journey all the way from like Holland to like Germany and now Canada and it's been just lovely. And I would say probably within a few weeks of the, when my daughter was born, my first, first daughter, I finally felt like this inclination and this sort of clicking within myself where I was ready to build a business. And I think we have a similar story there, Samantha, because I also grew a, you know, in my case, multi seven figure business from the ground up in my late twenties. So I'm sure we have some, some war stories to prepare. <laughs> 
sounds like we do. Absolutely. And my background's in dance. So I know all those stories of backstage. I I lived in the little mushroom in the depths of backstage for years. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about the transition into what you're doing, because I think as experts, a lot of us have these backgrounds that are usually quite, you know, long backgrounds. I thought I was going to be dancing forever, which is really interesting because I've been doing this such a long time. And there's a lot of people that listen to this show that have got very long careers from corporate or they may have a traditional business and don't quite know how to transition or bring in the aspects of what they know into their new business without throwing the baby out with the bathwater. How did you transition into what you're doing? Because it's quite different. It is and it isn't, right? So I've actually been able to build a team that allows me to be you know, sort of really involved with PR, media, visibility, stage, right? So in a sense, I'm still a performer and I really love to view business as an art, right? It's sort of like the art of wealth, the art of business, how to make it feel like a creative pursuit, right? And when I think of some of my mentors in the singing world, actually one of them is Barbara Hannigan, who's a was a soprano, very, very, very beautiful career that she created. And she always said to me, she had this real like athleticism that she brought to her craft and still does. She's actually transitioned into, you will find this fascinating. She's transitioned into being a conductor, which is such a male dominated industry. Yeah, She's very successful, but she always drilled home. You know, it's a freedom through discipline right, was, for example, one of the things that she taught me that I was really able to translate into building a business, right? I've literally not ever been in my business without either having a newborn, being pregnant or nursing, right, to this day. It's like, I'm finished in a couple of months. I'm curious, like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to create next, right? (laughs) Because I've been pouring my life force and like, you know, 100 different directions. So it's, Looking at it, I think, with a really holistic lens and sort of going like, if I zoom out a little bit and step away from just looking at my sort of career accomplishments and how they translate and look at you as a person and sort of the wealth of experiences that you have been able to accumulate over, you know, sometimes a lifetime, right, or or a longer career and simply start by making a list, right? Like what are challenge yourself. What are 20 things that you can put on that list that translate well, that sort of give you credibility in that new space that you're entering or in that new positioning that you're trying on, right? For example, for me, like one of my credibility pieces is that I've home birthed all three of our children, right? I was very, very lucky to be able to do that. I, I was healthy, healthy pregnancies, but sort of that experience of you know, like at home, relying on my own body, my own wisdom, body wisdom, right? That actually translates beautifully. You could say it has nothing to do with business and yet it has everything to do with business, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, honestly, Samantha, it's when you look at it more from like that zooming out, right? That holistic perspective and not exclude like important pieces, right? Of your life, of your story, but really see if you can include them. That's also when you set the stage for you being able to tell beautiful stories as a business owner. And that is one of the most important things that you can 
do for to create like a sort of like a brand that lasts, right? That that is still going to be relevant in five, 10, 20 years from now, if that's what you desire. Yeah, totally. For people that are just transitioning into their business, and I see this all the time, people coming from like, you know, 20 or 30 years in corporate, being in very, very high positions within huge global firms, and then coming into their business and feeling like they are brand new and doing things like charging beginner rates or even saying I have to work for free. I'd love to hear your take on this because I've got a very specific take on this (laughs) and I've got a funny feeling that we're going to be similar. But share it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's, I say this like every day to the people that we work with, right. Who come to us and and who say, for example, I want to run a program. I'm going to run a beta round. I'm going to discount it. And I'm going to, right. Yesterday, even I had somebody who, you know, we help a lot of people land really big corporate projects as well. So this is, this was one person who was asking me for some feedback and she kept saying, yeah, and then we'll end up with a proof of concept. It's like, literally she sent me three voice notes that were one minute long and I voice messaged her back and I said, you have mentioned the words proof of concept seven times in three one minute messages. Like, what is your preoccupation with like this getting proof of concept? Like how much proof do you need? Right. This, for example, a really good question to actually ask yourself. Right. And not as in accusatory, as in like, how much proof do you need? (laughs) But more, you know, like honestly, right. Like just let's have a conversation with that, you know, imposter syndrome burdened part of yourself. Right. And sort of like, so, so what would make you feel comfortable when it comes to my philosophy around pricing and all of that is that it's it's actually less about us than we think and it's more about what we need to charge to get a full commitment from the person who buys our services right so i noticed too that when something is lower ticket or even you know price sort of at like industry average levels mm-hmm. i will make less time for it i will show up less i will you know whatever Right. So there's like this really specific sort of what you need to keep in mind is like, who are you targeting with your services? Right. And it's as easy to build a network of high net worth individuals as it is to build one with people who have less money. Right. So people think that the one is harder than the other. It actually isn't. Right. So you you need to, of course, make sure that what you teach is accessible, right, to some extent, so that also people who maybe can't afford those higher ticket prices can learn from you and maybe read your book or right so have listened to your podcast whatever that is but then when it comes to you know your bread and butter offer so your offers the offers that really pay for everything in your business and your lifestyle and you know potentially your giving hopefully right you look at who you want to target and you have to ask yourself what is a like significant amount like chunk of money for those people to make sure that they are going to prioritize the work that they're doing with you, right? The transformation that you help them have, because if it's too low, then, you know, you work with a couple of people, they're not as involved and committed as you would need them to be. Right. And what happens then is that it sort of nibbles away at your self-confidence because you're like, okay, I, I didn't even charge that much, but people are just not getting results. What's wrong with me, right? Like what's wrong with my offer? Maybe I should 
do a lower ticket offer, or maybe you should do something entirely different. When really what was broken was just the pricing and the positioning connected to that, right? When you have people who invest enough money to really show up for the transformation, they're going to get fabulous results. You're going to get fabulous testimonials. You'll be able to charge even more if you want to, right? Et cetera. And it's just sort of this beautiful upward cycle that you can step into or potentially a downward cycle if you do you know, the opposite of that. I love that so much, so much. Now you mentioned there the network or the audience or however we're curating these people that are in our world. I know that you talk a lot about organic traffic and I think that this is a conversation that so many people have is, you know, I've built my network with the wrong type of people. So what sort of tips can you give our listeners around build, making sure that they're consciously building their audience in a way that's going to serve them and their business? So it really also, for me, comes back to conversation about values, right? And what is important to you? So it's not just about how do I create a network of like all these people who can like easily afford me and have as many of them as I want, right? That's all beautiful. But also, right, we want to make sure that our networks are diverse and that whenever possible, right, we're looking to bring more people into that higher net worth sphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people that, you know, hopefully also look different than, for example, you and me, right? That's something that we are, for example, extremely committed to because otherwise you're just repeating, you know, the same mistakes, right, of white supremacy, colonialism. That's something that that I personally do not want, and probably I'm still doing that a little bit simply because I'm. That's that's how I was raised, right? That's the culture I'm from. So I have to always be extremely careful there and really keep an eye out for sort of you know. And I think this is for everyone. Like who are we sort of gravitating towards, right? Usually those are people that are a little bit like us, or that think like us, or that like the same things, or that look like us, right? That's a whole other conversation, but I think it's a very important one. And maybe afterwards, I can recommend some books that you can put in the show notes for people who would love to further explore that. So diversity in your network is extremely important, right? Not just because it's the right thing to do, but because also it will help you sort of you know, be top of mind with sort of what kind of world are you creating through your business, right? And if you're just having like a very lopsided sort of network, you're going to inevitably create things that are going to harm certain people. So when it comes to what I already said, right, it's like, it's not more difficult to attract high net worth people into your network than it is to attract people who have less funds, right, to to spend and invest with you. So one of the things that I would say is that, first of all, you need to be really, really clear on who you actually want to attract, right? It's not just about, does this person have money to invest, right? It's also like that you need to become much more like specific, right? And much more detailed than that. So one of the things that we always ask our people to do is see if they can create a list of 10 to 12 things the, the person they'd love to call in, like already needs to have in place to make them poised for transformation, right? The transformation that they offer. So this is less of a ideal client profile, right? Which is sort of like, this is how I would describe them. This is a list of what they already need to have in place, right? And so for example, we are relaunching our website. We were 
just talking about that. We were talking about websites and website shame. (laughs) Don't go to my website right now. It is not representative. (laughs) Right, all those things. But one of the pages is going to be case studies. And there's going to be 40 plus videos on there of, you know, people having beautiful financial breakthroughs. But that was possible because we are so discerning who we're, you know, allowing into the experience of working with us, right? When that was still a little bit fuzzy in the beginning, we accidentally onboarded people who weren't ready, right? So you live, you learn, which is sometimes a little painful, right? Because it's, you're disappointed. They're a little bit disappointed. I also just want to say, this is like very much like a growth stage in your business, right? That there is some clients relationship breakdowns, right? It's something that nobody wants to talk about. People feel shame around. It's a very like normal stage in business. Like, please, let's just allow ourselves to talk about this openly, right? But as we've progressed as a, as a company, we've been able to really get super refined and discerning. And now we sort of see like also the percentage of people, you know, being really successful inside of our programs to go up and up and up. So you want to do that same work, right? So creating a list of 10 to 12 things that they already need to have in place, you'll be able to much better identify who you need to reach out to, like what kind of audiences you want to get in front of, what kind of podcasts you want to do, right? Like all of those things, it starts with that clarity. You got to know who this person is because that will spark the awareness of oh, I actually think so-and-so probably knows at least 10 people in this category. I bet they listen to that podcast. That's one that I should pitch, right? Or see if I can get an intro to the host too, right? So it informs your networking sort of objectives and strategies and then also activities. And that's very effective. Yeah. Totally. What I heard in that, which is the gold, and I want to go back and touch on it just in case anyone missed it, was when we're usually creating our buyer persona or our avatar or our dream client or however you want to say it, we're thinking about what is it that we want? We're coming from the perspective of what is it that we want? What you shared was coming from the perspective of what transformation does this future buyer want? And I think that coming through it, looking from their eyes rather than, you know, getting caught in the looking through our eyes and what we can get out of it is such a beautiful thing. You know, looking at the things of who we can call in for them to experience the transformation is a complete mindset shift. And when we're talking about money, around wealth, about all these things that can trigger us all at different times and in different ways, one of the best ways to navigate that is to be thinking through the eyes of someone else so we're not triggering our own things. I'd love you to talk into into that a little bit more, into those triggers and how you see those perceptions being able to work around that yeah for sure and i'm actually getting this sense that this is probably how both of us were able to build our businesses really quickly right with like it's based on that principle of deep understanding and goodwill right so what i identified after you know i used to be a copywriter as well which i always forget to sort of like throw in the mix <laughs> introduce myself but <laughs> i have conversion copywriting backgrounds and uh, did that for a few years, working with influencer, online entrepreneurs, like writing their website copy, sales pages, stuff like that. And by the way, I love that I had that training because it really helps me understand how to support service providers, right? It's like, it's, it's a little different than coaches, which is, you know, 
Yeah. So what I noticed is that people have, basically, I was able to identify 10 core motivations, potential motivations for people to invest high ticket, right? One could be, for example, legacy, right? So there's, for example, permaculture, sort of like big landscape design architect. What they do is they support people in helping sort of design and then implement gardens that will feed their family for generations to come, right? And, or it can, for example, be people who own tons and tons of land, right? Sometimes like people who are into like preserving land and all of that stuff. And they want to do this for maybe not even like their own family, but for the future, right? So in that case, legacy is actually the core thing that she's selling, right? So she has built her messaging around this core desire for legacy. Another core motivation could be a desire for confidentiality. So when you think of like really famous lawyers or psychologists or coaches who work with celebrities, let's say, one of the key selling points of what they do is that those celebrities, right? Those movie stars or, you know, political figures know that what they say on their couch is going to stay in that room. Mm-hmm. Right? So their messaging is built around the promise of confidentiality. There's also a core motivation around uh, desire to truly be heard, seen and acknowledged, right? Which is not to be underestimated. So some people build their messaging around that. So it's like, it's a great way to sort of quickly go like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to build my messaging around. And you can basically, you know, guarantee that it's going to land and that it's going to be sort of, you know, hitting people very viscerally, which is important, right? Because messaging is always like, it's a short snippet of something. So it needs to get to the point really quickly. It's memorable, it's repeatable, Right. And that is absolutely essential if you want to fill your either your roster or your programs organically, because you're going to rely a lot on referral marketing. Right. As in like people sending you people, happy clients, referring people to you. So, yeah, that messaging work is really instrumental, which I know, you know, because that's what you do with your people, too. I know that, you know, it's great to talk about this stuff and for people that you know, and all of us to have that, uh-huh, okay, I'd got like one degree off a little way and yeah. I re- yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, wow. How that important that was or, you know, ah, that's right. I was going down that route a couple of months ago. I need to bring that back in. I think it's really important conversations. Let's talk about high ticket pricing. High ticket gets bandied around a lot. What is your perception of high ticket Yeah. So I see it more as an individual experience for the business owner. So, you know, we have people joining our program who maybe have just sold their shop or right, like a physical location and want to very successfully and very quickly transition to an online model. So in their case, right, I remember saying to one of them, like, you could sell a VIP day at $1,500, right? Sort of we always reverse engineer back from sort of, you know, first figuring out their monthly revenue goal and then going, okay, where, how much time do you have? How much money do you want to make? Now let's build, you know, the offers around those lifestyle desires. And then, you know, for her, we landed on $1,500 for a VIP day. That for them was extremely high ticket. 
at that time. And when they started selling it, it was like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that somebody would pay that, right? And at this moment in time, this person is selling a half a million dollar projects to European governments. Mm-hmm. That's today high ticket for them <laughs> before it was like the $1,500 a day, right? So things can evolve really quickly. What I always recommend people is that you price where you feel your high end stretch, right? So there is a specific price point where you sort of feel like, okay, going to feel a little nervous pitching that like, oh, okay, like we're doing this. But also if they're going to say yes to it, like you're going to feel so giddy and so proud and so happy and just excited about delivering this because you know that you've built those profit margins in really, really well. And you're setting the stage for a really cash flow positive business, which is something I really believe in, right? I'm actually able to, to sometimes just slow sales down a little bit for a few months as I'm implementing some really big projects. And it's totally fine because we have over a million dollars in savings, like, you know, paycheck stashes, et cetera, right? Like saved up. So that cash flow positivity is extremely important, especially if you want to allow yourself to go through those creative ups and downs that are so natural to how we function as human beings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I would say if somebody's listening to this and they're sort of like, I'm not sure where my pricing needs to sit, first do the math, right? First figure out how much do you actually need to be making per month to run a cash flow positive business and also be able to pay your personal expenses, right? And this is sometimes a little bit of a painful process for people. I remember doing this for myself and I landed on a monthly goal is a few years ago of $35,000 a month. And I remember just falling off my chair. I was like, never will I ever make that much money in a month. And of course that same month I made that much money because I had that clarity. So when you have your revenue goal and you know how much time you're able to spend on your business, then you can actually land on where the pricing needs to sit. And then you can decide, actually, I'm going to charge a little less than that because that makes me really feel super uncomfortable right now. But I can maybe in like one or two steps grow into that after I see a little bit more more proof for myself that this works and this is real. And right again, that conversation of like, maybe you just need to have a conversation with that part of yourself that needs a little bit, you know, validation and proof. And yeah. And when we're talking high ticket, and I think that this is a conversation that I have with a lot of my clients. There's some confusion around, well, what do I include? What is different between just putting something out for a few hundred dollars and all of a sudden charging a few thousand dollars a month? What does that difference need to be? Because I don't, a lot of what I talk about is to be able to charge more, it doesn't mean that you need to put more stuff in. No. Oh my goodness. No, no, not at all. Like I would say actually. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love that. That reaction is so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It's very counterintuitive for people, right? But it's actually the opposite. So high net worth, you know, people, right? People who have lots of money to invest usually are money rich, time poor, right? They have very, very busy lives. So those extra bonus calls that you're throwing in are actually taking away from their experience. They're not adding anything, right? So what I would say is like truly build your offer around this very specific person, right? And that means sometimes customizing the offer per client, which is, you know, that's, that's very, very intense, right? And it's not as scalable. So you would have to charge a lot 
But definitely, if you really, truly, right, and this is a very courageous thing to do, if you truly, truly niche, then you can custom build this offer, like tailor-made to this specific person that you would love to serve, right? So instead of being a fertility coach, you might want to be positioning yourself as a fertility coach for solo executive moms-to-be, right? Then all of a sudden, and you're super referable, but also you can really, really customize your offer around her lived experience, right? Just to to give an example. So it's in the experience of it's tailor-made to serve my needs. And also it is taking me the minimum amount of time when I have input, there's sort of like, there's access to my person as in like, I can ask them some follow-up questions, right? So there's There's something around that as well. But what I would say is that my experience actually is that people who have bigger chunks of money to invest actually really respect the simplicity of the offers that you create because it makes you look confident when you're just sort of like throwing more into the mix. I remember from, you know, my time being a copywriter at that time, I still thought that that was like, high tickets to say, Hey, I'll look at that as well. Just like throw it on my plate. You know, like I thought that was like a wonderful high ticket thing to do. And guess what? The entire project like went on its bum because there was something I did or said in that extra little bit of piece of like email series that I reviewed that made her feel a little insecure because she felt that I had some, you know, tips and tricks that, that she hadn't even considered yet. And like the whole thing, which actually was at that point, like a website copy project went sideways, right? So you have to be extremely careful with sort of this tendency to over deliver. And I would say that what's really important is that you unearth, why are you over delivering? Are you over delivering because you are uncomfortable with your pricing, right? And on some level, maybe don't feel quite worthy of that price tag, Mm-hmm. If so, then that's what you need to work on, right? So that you can sort of go into that relationship without an agenda of, you know, if I just throw this extra thing in, like they'll behave as a client, yeah. <laughs> right? Or they'll give me a really good testimonial or, right? Like those are all attachments that you then bring into that relationships, which can in turn sort of become like these ticking time bombs under the client relationship. Mm. So simplicity is key here, building high ticket offers. Yeah. Meryl, you shared quite a lot today. How can people stay connected with you? So definitely go check out the website. It will launch in the next few weeks. So you might want to check in once or twice. I'm not sure when you're airing this, but it's simply MerylCreeksman.com. So you can just hop over there, go have a look. You know, there's going to be tons of resources there. Also, we're going to, I said it like launch a blog post there in the next few weeks, which is actually a high ticket or luxury positioning audit. So people might actually just like want to read that one. And then also I have a free Facebook group which they can join if they feel like it. It's called Become the Wealthiest Woman in Your Lineage. And follow me on Instagram. I share so much fun stuff on Instagram. Also about our kittens. We have a lot of cats. They live in the barn, luxury accommodations. <laughs> like daily, like twice, three times a day, they get like beautiful food. It's, it's fun. We bring the kids. It's just sort of like a, if you're looking for how can I do wealth my way and really own that and enjoy that and, 
you know, not have it be sort of this, oh, now I need to step into like this mold of what a wealthy person looks like. Definitely follow me on Instagram, simply, you know, at Meryl Creeksman. And there's tons uh, for you there to explore as well. Perfect. I'd love to finish off with one question because you, I know that you talk about wealth quite a lot and helping women in wealth. What does wealth mean to you? Well, when I think about wealth, I think about the last seven generations and I think about the future seven generations, which is not something I've made up. That's actually an indigenous principle, but I really love using it in my own thinking. We tend to be so caught up with you know, do I have money to have like the best experience in my own life? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's, of course, we want to have a beautiful experience being on this beautiful earth, but also how do my decisions impact the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that, right? So this is something that I take really seriously. I'm besides a business mentor, I would call myself an environmentalist as well. So we are really looking at, for example, the land that we're on to regenerate that, right? It's one of the things that we really believe in. It's about creating a better world for, for all children, right? Like whether they are animal or human, it's like setting the stage for a way of doing things, an economy that truly honors all life. That's what I'm interested in. That's what wealth means to me, right? As especially in the path that I've chosen in my business and what I talk about all day, that's what I love to experience myself and have other people experience as well, right? So what economies are we irrigating, right? It's a really important question. And then also, right? So for example, I'm a white woman of Dutch backgrounds, the Dutch war very involved in enslavement and trade, right? Of human beings, trafficking. I live on uh, stolen land in Canada, married to a white settler, right? So how can I take all those things into account? And not in a sense, I'm going to beat myself up for it, but more like what reparations do I owe, right? Where do I need to put my focus so that it's not just me taking care of my own finances, but I create this beautiful like well of wealth, basically, that flows towards what it needs to flow to in order to make reparations and also to set the stage for future generations as well. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing, Meryl. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and good luck with the new website. <laughs> yeah, you too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other coaches and experts who are growing and scaling their business too, come and join the Coaches Course Creators and Speakers group on Facebook. The links are all waiting for you over at samanthariley.global.